Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mothers of Children in Shaduchim podcast series. Our first episode is an interview between Mrs. Sarah Morezov and Mrs. Rachel Duchman. Rachel is the founder of Autumn Coaching and is a renowned dating coach who specializes in pre- and post-marriage relationships. Before we begin, I would like to note that all contact information mentioned in the episode will be included in the show notes for your convenience. Okay, so hi, Mrs. Rachel Duchman. I'm so excited. This is Sarah Marazov. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you as a mother of children in the Shaduchim process and someone who's in contact with a lot of parents, mothers especially, in the Shaduchim process. Um, I think it's so helpful if we have a conversation of tips, how um, what mentorship is available for parents to make this process smoother, and also um, both for people who are new at it and for people who maybe see changes over the decades or even over the years. So first and foremost, I do want to say that every parent and every child in Shaduchim, definitely the first step is always to review what the Rebbe says about it as the basic. So there's a, there's a wonderful compilation in English by Sichas in English called Eternal Joy. Volume, volume one talks about Shaduchim, volume two is the engagement and the wedding, and volume three is about Shalom Bias. If you could purchase it, that's phenomenal. If it's not available, it's on the website, S-I-E, as in Sichas in English, .org. You t- search for eternal joy, and you read the Rebbe's Hayros um, that we need to know when we go through the process of Shaduchim. It's also very interesting that just the other day, I thought I'll freshen up what the Rebbe says about it from GEM. I have an account for GEM, which I encourage everybody to get a GEM account. And on the life cycle, I typed in Shiduchim and dating and the firsthand accounts of, of tips that the Rebbe gave to different people throughout the process was unbelievable. So I, I really encourage you to go get your account on GEM. I don't know if it's open to everyone and click on life cycle and click on Shaduchim, dating marriage, and it's like an eye-opener. I learned new things myself, two new things. Could you imagine? The Rebbe was talking to somebody about she wanted a Shidduch for a family member, and the Rebbe told her as a school for that, if you help find a Shidduch for someone else, it'll be a Shidduch for your own family member, and that's what happened. And to someone else, wow. yeah. And to someone else, a different scenario, the Rebbe said, if you want a shidduch for your, if you want a scuba to find a shidduch, you should learn shulchan aruch. You should learn halachas that have to do with daily life. And that will be your scuba to find a shidduch. And it was, maybe it's an eternal joy. Honestly, I haven't read it like very recently. But to hear people's firsthand accounts was also very refreshing. That, that's where we get kind of the mindset, the hashkafa. Some people can take the mindset and the hashkafa and speak to their mashpia, maybe to their parents, maybe a couple of friends, and they'll fly with it. Some people, it makes them so much more confident if they actually sit with somebody who's experienced specifically in this field. And today, you know, we, we have this close, 
to have Mrs. Rachel Duchman as part of this conversation, kind of as a dating mentor. Um, somebody who's experienced in this field because then they, they're reassured that when they give hadrachot to their children, you know, they have that security and reassurance um, that they're doing it both hashkafically correctly and practically. And when you ask a shayla, when to ask a mashpia, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you, Mrs. Duchman, for this conversation today. And again, if you hear about other dating mentors, it's incumbent upon you to do the research to make sure that both on the hashkafic level that they teach according to the Rebbe's Hayras, and on the practical level, um, they teach, they, they have good guidance based on their life of experience. So now let's talk, okay? I'm, I'm a parent now, okay? And I have a child in the age of Shaduchim. I never did this before. Where in the world do I start from? I feel like, oh, this is so overwhelming. So number one, thank you so much for having me here. I feel honored to be able to be part of this incredible, holy, and special work that you guys do in mikvah.org. And it's very interesting because you refer to um, eternal joy as a good source. And I actually call my courses that I give the road to eternal joy. And of course, a lot of my information and a lot of the things that I offer come exactly from the Rebbe Rais that are listed there. And of course, a compilation of many other things as well. But um, it's interesting that you said that. So you're a beginning parent and you want to know where should you begin. Okay. So one of the most ex extremely important things that I will tell to parents, whether they're beginners or anywhere else down the road is communication is perhaps the most important word that I could say to you. What do I mean by this? When you're starting out, the very first thing you need to do is speak to your son, your daughter. You must have a good and open communication. You're going to be the one that's going out there to try to find somebody for them. So yes, we think we know our children and we do to a certain degree, but how important it is to actually have a conversation with them and saying to the, asking them certain questions so we can really get on the same page as them so that when we do go out there to represent them, we actually know more clearly what it is that they want and what it is that they are looking for. And when we communicate and share a conversation, we could also help clarify if perhaps they're bringing up something which seems like not so important, but communication, I would say, is the number one thing. And a lot of times we will hear that just as the young girls, for sure, I don't know if the boys are told this, is make a list of 10 things that you would want and in the order of its importance. And just write down all the things, sit down with yourself, think about what's important to you, think what you want from life. You're going to want you to ask your son or your daughter a lot of the same questions that we might get into later, but you were going to ask about the person who might be an appropriate jibbah. First, they have to ask your own child that. So you know where they stand on that. What is it that they want from life? What is it, what are theirs hold and set of values, okay? And like I said, often as parents, we think we know, we're gonna learn a lot of things as we go along and as we actually have a conversation with them. So let's say they did make that list and it's 10 things they wrote down. It's the order of its importance. Okay, and they left it for a while, they came back, they can switch it up, now they're ready to share it with you. You're gonna talk about it, you're gonna go over it, 
I tell a lot of the girls and the boys, the young men and women, is if you even get the top three on your list, literally jump up and down, sing, thank you, Hashem, feel you won the lottery, and move on. Okay. And of course, what are we talking about when we say this? That those should be the most important that you would say they're non-negotiable. They're so important to your child that if they were to, let's say one of those things that they wanted and you would say, you know, maybe it's not so important. You, you don't have to be so, so, you're so strong about this certain thing, but for them, it would feel as if it would mean that they're doing, making a sacrifice in that which they want for their life ahead of them. And I would be the first one to tell them, no, dating time is not a time to sacrifice. It may be a time that we have to compromise. We look at things from a different perspective. But if it feels to the parent or to the young man or woman that it's that they're sacrificing and they should not, you know, go for it and they should stay strong with the things that are that important to them. So like I said, to just wrap it up. Have a good conversation with your child. Go through some of the questions that you would even ask for someone who would want to know if they're appropriate for them and find out more clearly what's important to your son and your daughter. Wonderful. Wow. I, I just want to add, I, I, if for those of you that I, for earlier, those of you that speak, uh, read Lashon Kaidish, the Safer, there's a series, Shari Shiduchin and Shari Nisuin. Shari Shiduchin has wonderful sikhs, also more elaborate than eternal joy of the mindset of going through Shaduchim is also something uh, that you may find useful. So back to here, as a parent, yeah, we tell our children kind of to date themselves, speak to your mashpia, help you create your vision, come back to your parents. You know, it's interesting, uh, when a little baby is born, we give them a bracha for girls also, give a bracha to the parents, so we resize to raise this child, right? So parents do bring their children to the chuppah, I do want to also write and say, you know, you're talking about the ideal when parents and children have already a healthy relationship and communication. Sometimes we're in a situation, maybe it's not so as we imagined, or perhaps it's not even coming from a negative place. It's interesting. There's a sikha about Shabbos candlelighting. It's a sikha parshas mitzayra. How, uh, but there, in the end, the Rebbe explains, uh, it was the beginning of Mifsah Neshek, that why do single girls bench lift, as opposed to just the mothers, uh, nowadays even more than ever before. So, of course, the main reason is, with the darkness of Golos, we have to add more light. But in that sikha, the Rebbe says that because when a woman is mahader in her Shabbos candle lighting, Chazal say she is zoiche to have sons and sons-in-law that are shine the world, illuminate the world with a light of Torah. So in the mother's chos, she had sons-in-law that um, were special people. But the Rebbe says then, this was like Toshin Lamed Hay, which is like almost 50 years ago. But because nowadays, these children are more independent in their shaduchim, that they take more of an independent role in choosing and marrying. So the girl should independently light her own Shabbos candle so she herself, it'll bring that schos to herself. So we do have to acknowledge that shift. And in another podcast, that discussion, we more elaborated on it, how parents navigate adult children and independent children in these in the pre-marriage and through the marriage settings. So I just wanted to bring it in if, in this um, conversation, okay? 
Uh, so now that I have um, this vision and we have this quote unquote list or whatever, um, now it's time to write a resume. What do you suggest in short, like what's to include or not include in a typical resume? I can give it to you really short, okay? Personally, I feel a resume is really a fact-finding sheet, okay? You want to have, of course, the, the girl or the boy's name, his age. Maybe it's important you can put the height. You want to add on there if you have other mechatanim. That's very helpful and very telling. So if you have some other children married, if you don't, if you're just starting out, of course, you won't have that yet. You want to say a little information. You don't need to tell when the young man or the young woman went to kindergarten, but you want to say through high school and seminary, or the boys through the, through the system, if he went, if any did shlichot, uh, and he did smicha, and whatever, with any of those components, you want to list those things. Extremely important. You want to make clear what they are presently doing. A lot of times we don't get clarity on that. Like, what are they doing right now? Maybe it's a buffer and he's still learning in Yeshiva, no problem. Maybe it's a girl and whatever it may be, make sure that's clear. You want to make sure that you have some references of friends of the young man or the young woman. And you also want to put down some references for the family. Somebody wants, may want to know a little more about the family. They've never heard this name before. They know nothing about them. Okay, so those are the things. Be very super careful that when you get the name for your your children, what you're going to put down on for, for, um, for, um, for a reference, first of all, that you have the correct telephone numbers, because there's nothing worse than someone tries to call and they find it's not a correct number. And also make sure that your sons and daughters realize that the names that they give you are people that like them, know them, and will actually know how to say nice things and the right things about them. Okay, now, me personally, that's it. Shouldn't take up more than one page. The descriptions about what the young man is about or what the young woman is about and what they're looking for, in my humble opinion, I feel like that is the thing you share with the shafin, the friend, whoever it is that's reading you the shidas, whoever it is calling you with an idea, they are going to be that part of your resume. Once it's written down, people completely and totally, I see this all the time, take out one word that says they and go, oh, okay, that, forget it, that's not for me. So we're safer not to write down the description of a young man or the young woman, not to write down what it is they're looking for, but that should be the job of the person who's helping you out and making the suggestion. Okay. So we have this resume. How do I get my word out there? My daughter is ready. My son is ready. What next? Okay. So first of all, very simple. This is the time when you need to share. Sometimes we don't share. We want things to be quiet and personal. But when you have a child who's ready for a shidduch, 100% share. Share it with your, maybe you have a local rabbi. Share it with your family. Share it with your friends. You know, some will say, hey, how's your daughter doing? How's your son doing? By the way, do you know? We are now. He's ready. She's ready. We're looking for shidduchim. Make a few phone calls to a few shadchanim. Okay, so Mrs. Duchman, okay, I have the name of a bocher. Okay, somebody called me the Shafkin or my relative or whoever, a friend, and said, okay, Mendel Cohen, I suggest for your daughter, here's his resume. Like, what kind of questions do I ask? 
What are appropriate questions? How do I really find out and get a good feel for this bucker? Okay. So I'm going to start off by saying that the Rebbe says continuously, many times, again and again and again, that when you go in looking into someone, look for the good in the other person. You want to start out looking for the good in them. Okay. So that's one of the main, perhaps one of the first things you see, you read certain things. You're going to ask the questions, like I had told you, you're going to have a conversation with your own child and try to find out where they're standing, what's important for them. These are some of the same questions you're going to ask uh, the people who you call. So first of all, first and foremost is with the eye of looking for the good, you might start off asking something like, tell me what's special about this young man. What stands out special for you? Okay, or if it's a friend of his, okay, you go on to ask questions and focusing and paying attention to that which is most important. These are the Rebbe's words. So you want to ask about, you know, what's more important if he's six foot one or what kind of mitos does he have? What's his, you know, where does he stand in life? What is his, what's important to him? Good question to ask. What does he want to be when he grows up? I'm still growing up, Rachel. Good. So <laughs> we say, yes. So, but a girl and a boy will have an idea. They have, when you, you're wanting to ask your own child that question. You know, what do you want to be? Of course, they don't know and have a whole lifetime to decide that. But there are some ideas and thoughts right now. This is, a, for example, does the young man want to go on shlichus? Does the girl want to go on shlichus? Is he a working boy and he wants to just continue and grow in his work? And what he's doing right now may not be what he does for his whole life, but you know that he's pursuing a life of work. You want him to ask him about his needles. Tell me, what kind of a relationship does he have with his parents? kind of a relationship does she have with her friends? You know, it says over here, it's so good-hearted, kind-hearted, even though it's say not to write on the thing, but let's say it says, what are, tell me, give me an example of how he's so, yes, he's such a kind-hearted person. Give me an example of that. You know, someone could say, oh, he's so from, or he's so chafidish. What I have, what forms in my head when I hear that word, and what forms in your head are going to be something very different. Sure, there'll be a few things that would be the same. So, so you want them to be more specific. What do you mean when you say he's a chassidish boy? What do you mean when you say she's very worldly? Can you give me an example? Always ask, become curious, and ask for a little deeper level. Okay? I want to tell you one thing, that even during asking these questions, and this is something that comes up for me a lot, people will say, oh, I'm not going to call the references on the on the resume because <laughs> obviously it's their friends and people that like them. I don't agree with that. Sure, when you look at the resume, some a, a name might jump out at you. Like I said, if they have other machatan, oh, this is so and so. I know her. She's my really close friend. She's my sister's machatanista. She's my whatever. So you so even though they're not listed as a as a reference, you're going to call them. You know, how's the family? You tell me about this young man. It's okay to call the names on the reference. As parents, when we make the phone call, we have to be super diligent. We have to listen carefully and hear 
like air between the lines. Every question we ask and every answer that they give us, we have to use our, our wisdom and our understanding to, to clarify something or to understand that which they wrote on the resume, okay? And so I don't have a problem starting with those people on the list. And you can always say, Maybe give me enough, can you give me another name maybe of other friends that you know of this young man or this young girl? In case you feel like the names that you got, you didn't feel you have enough information or you aren't able to reach somebody. And often it will lead you to another person that you can call. But I don't have a problem. I don't believe in, oh, don't even bother to call anyone on the resume because they're their friends. Of course they're their friends. You wanna first start hearing the good about the other person. So it's okay and a good place to start. Very interesting. As a parent, I had advice from a Rav. A very interesting formula. I don't know if you ever heard of this, but he said, I should choose two people who have these three qualifications to, to do the calls for the should calls. Number one, somebody who's on your side, like somebody who really cares about you. I mean, sometimes, let's say, I don't know the Rashi Shivan Bernois, he wasn't Bernois, but my son. My son does, and my son cares about his sister, let's say. So my son could do that calling, let's say, because so number because he cares about me and he wants to make sure that it's 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 it it works out for his sister, let's say. So one, it, it the person should be on your side. Number two, it's somebody who understands people. Not everybody you said to read between the lines, not everybody has that chush, that talent to kind of understand between the lines how people describe people. So you could delegate that job to somebody who's close to you, hears about you, and is good with people. And number three, you could find somebody that knows the person on the reference list, but firsthand, not secondhand. And I think that's, that formula really works well because if can I know her, we have family, you could think, you know, I'm not good at calling, but hey, look, they were on Schlichus in wherever. I know someone there, she's my very good friend. That friend, you know, so to try sometimes like cold calls and you're not good with people and it's secondhand and you don't really know them, it could be a little annoying or frustrating and you may not get what you want to hear. But if you, this formula, and he said, choose two separate people. And if we hear the same thing from both those people who have those three call qualifications, you don't need to make 20 calls. I just okay, thought, excellent. So I love what you're saying. And I, and, and I often tell people, no, we look at the thing and we see, look, who do you know? So that's why you know how it says it's really the uh, it's the responsibility of both parents in the, in the field of a shidduch. But sometimes one parent is better at one aspect of it than the other. That's okay to delegate that parent or to delegate, like you said, somebody else. And I would say, like, if I would say to you, let's say, Sarah, what would you tell me if you wanted to convince me that I should let my daughter go out with your son? What would you tell me about your son? Now, if you were to convince someone else about your own child, what are some of the things you would say? And that's something you can ask the person you're calling, especially for someone who really knows this young girl or young boy. Tell me something. How would you convince someone? Give me that little spiel. And again, yes, because people who you know or people who have a connection, they're going to be honest and they're going to say the things and they're going to also say it in the nicest way you know, how the other person should hear it. And it'll be very accepting for that person. There's a lot more that we could go on here, but I don't know how much time you want to spend on that. Okay, so I, I just want to say that Mrs. Duchman does mentoring much more than just this 45-minute conversation. You're just getting 
tidbits. This is does not replace the full mentoring. You know, the more information you get, the longer you sit with it, the more confident you'll be. But we just chose today to have a short conversation to just understand that just to kind of alleviate that anxiety and to show you that Hadracha is available. Um, there are people that are there that can help you and um, it doesn't have to be so anxiety provoking. So we're just having a short conversation, little tidbits. We can't go through the whole process. We'd be here for eight hours or 12 hours and we're just here for a few minutes, okay? I want to add in one point to this, okay? And you said it good. If you call the right people and you have the right people making, so you don't have to make a hundred or it doesn't have to take weeks and weeks. Sometimes I hear that they, they, they still never got back to us. Here's the bottom line. And the whole idea with Shadokin, what needs to guide us and be in front of our, our, ourselves as we go one step at a time is Amuna and Bitachon. It's really the Abishta that's creating what making us and guiding us and putting us to where we need to be. So if you're going to spend a few hours or a few days, weeks, months trying to you know, investigate or research is a better word, the person that you're interested in, whatever we're not supposed to know, we will not find out. It doesn't matter how long you're taking. And each one of us that have married children can attest to this. Baruch Hashem, no matter what I found out later, I'm still so grateful and thankful to the Yedishta, without a question. And I wouldn't have done it differently. But we know for sure, however we're not supposed to find out, it doesn't matter how long we're doing the research, we will not find that out. So keep so it clear, I, you don't need to ask a million people. Ask the right people, ask the right questions, and move on. Really so, in the hands of the Yedishta. Now you're painting this amazing picture. You know, the, the boy, okay, let's say it's my daughter. Right, so the boy that was presented, it was painted in such a beautiful picture and everybody did the right thing. You know, sometimes we do find out negative information. How do we do, navigate? You know, some things are trivial. Some things are more like pink flags. Some are red flags. Sometimes we find out during the research. Sometimes we found out during the dating. Sometimes we even find out during the engagement. So like, how does a mother parent navigate that? And especially like, do we ask our children once they meet, did you hear anything negative? Like, do we expect our children to report to us something that can be worrisome? Like, how does the negative information um, affect, impact our role as parents? I want to add a little detail. There's a separate cheer that if you're a reference for a shidduch, what you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say, what you must say, and how to say it, it's a separate class, and maybe we'll provide it as a shashem. It's a halachic class. If you're not sure, ask a rub what to do because it's their shy risk. Like we have the the kind of two poles. One is Russian Hara or Rachilus that are Usr. And then we have the other side, something that's truly dangerous, we have to prevent misfortune from happening to a fellow Jew. Most of the time it's somewhere in between, you know, to ask a shy. In the meantime, but just give us a few little tidbits. I know this is a very heavy and long topic. But maybe you could touch upon just a bit, just a little bit, Hadracha uh, in this area. Okay, so I'm going to bring it back to what you started out with. How do you differentiate between things that are maybe trivial and things that we really should pay attention to? Because even though, like I said, the Rebbe says, look first for the good in the other person, some other things are going to come up. Extremely important, and the Rebbe repeats it over and over and over again. There is no such thing as any person that is perfect. 
We know ourselves. We know our children. We're now hearing about this young man, this young woman. Yes, it is our job as adult parents to be able to listen and to hear. We know our child. We know and we hope we have an idea of what they need that would work best for them in a relationship and in a marriage and in a partner in their life. And we should be careful to be able to um, not get stuck on something that's maybe a chasarin that you hear about the other person, but it's really one that's okay to live with. It's, you know, you, you measure things. And I know for sure, I know I've experienced this in my own, all my children are married, but when I did do research, and it was even before my, you know, I was even involved in this. And somehow when I heard something good, I would kind of go with that. I might've heard something else, but the good was outweighed and much more important than the little thing that was the not so good. So yeah, it is us as adult parents, because young men and women, maybe that would be a little more difficult for them. Well, they might hear something and I'll go, oh, that's terrible. We could help explain to them but you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Look, this is what's most important for you. Remember we had that, I think, for you it's so important that he's kind-natured and he's a good listener. He has that 110%. Okay, so something else, maybe he doesn't learn as many shirim as you would want. That can, always, that can always become better. Certain things like that, you know, because it's in a personality uh, thing. And look first, let's see which is more important and which is stronger for this young man, this young child of ours. Do they need someone who's very complimentary and very, you know, very talkative? Or maybe this son needs someone who's a little quieter. So that's maybe someone looked at it as a chasarin, but it's perfect for your son or for your daughter, vice versa. They don't need someone who's as much as them jumping off the, you know, head counts or jumping off the table. It's okay. They hold that. Their spouse doesn't have to have it like that. So yes, coming down to the plain, simple point, there's no such thing as perfect. Everyone has something. Look in front, see if this is something that you, you and your child could live with and it's less important and it's not a deal breaker. Then we move forward and we say, look, Baruch Hashem, let's first count the good things. He has this and he has that. My land. Wow, these are so, remember we talked about it? Those, are, those were your most important things. He's got them. Okay, so that's how I think is a good way to measure and to realize, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. If it's trivial, let it just be that. Point it out. But we can ask our own son and our own, our own daughter. We ourselves have things that are not so perfect. Let's look at those. And many, many times what we're hopeful in the end of the day is the strengths complement each other and the weaknesses sometimes one strength complements the other's weakness. Sometimes that they both have a weakness and they know they're going to work on it together. But these things can definitely will flow and will come together one piece at a time. And I want to add one more thing. I was speaking to a, a young girl that I had a, a, a close relationship in Alberta because she's married. And she was saying, I, um, this is maybe also a little bit on the resume, but maybe even a little later to start the date. She says, it's so important maybe this is where people should be honest when they're telling about the other person, that you should be who you really are. Don't act like somebody, like, don't act when you're dating. Because in the end of the day, the guy is getting to know 
do, how you're behaving and who you are on the day. And that's what he's gonna, that's what you're gonna bring into your marriage. So if you think that, oh, I have to be really happy, but really you're not a happy person and you manage to be happy on every date, and all of a sudden you get married and you see this person that's not happy at all, that's gonna be a problem. But if you're happy and once in a while you you know you share that, you know, certain things make you feel a little bit in a different way. Let him know who he's coming to. And then together you could see that you actually could work for each other. And it's something that could work out for both of you. Wow. Thank you. Uh, so, but we're not discussing in this podcast about real red flags, because that's really a whole sheer onto itself. So uh, you'll discuss it privately or with your rov or whoever's giving you hadracha. I just want to skip that for now, because once we open it up, it will require a lot more conversation than the time allotted for our conversation today. So to fast forward a bit, because due to time constraints, we cannot go through the dating process. And again, we don't number dates and things like that. But throughout the dating process, can you just give us maybe a couple tips for parents, just that are kind of general, generic tips that all parents should know, or the common blunders that parents make that we should avoid, just common ones? Okay. So you're saying for parents? Yeah, for parents. Okay. Like if, if you want to give parents good advice or you want to give children good advice, or either it's advice that the parents should have or advice that the parents should advise their children, what will be kind of the most important things that just pop out of your head spontaneously right now without thinking twice? Not a long list of 10, maybe one or two for the parents and one or two for, for parents to be mad with their children. Okay. So for example, what I just said in the other, at the end of the other question is, for parents to tell their children to be your authentic self on your date, I think is a very important thing. And another thing is, as you approach this, some of these are one part for the parent and even also for the young woman or the young man, is to be open-minded. Many times we talk to our sons and our daughters and we say, okay, what is it that you think you want in life? What do you want now? You know, we don't know. Sometimes it changes all the But... I will say often to young men and to young women, you made yourself a list. You think what you want to have. Be, keep an open mind. Be prepared that someone's going to come with a suggestion, with an idea that perhaps looks very different than what you had in your mind. Parents too. Don't say no right away. Oh, no, that's not what my daughter. Listen. And maybe share it with your child, even though it looks, hey, you know what? It's interesting. Somebody just called me with this and this guy. He sounds different than what we've been talking about recently, but it sounded so interesting. Share that with your daughter or your son and tell them to be open-minded, keep their minds open, that you know what? Maybe this could work. This is something that, you know, um, that, that even though it doesn't look exactly what you always had in your mind, be open to it. Right? If it's not going to be what you want, no problem. You don't have to do it. But maybe it will be, you know? And also to share actually verbally with your sons and daughters, listen, we need your help. We want to know from you what you want and what you're looking for and what's important to you. Also know one thing, that our number one interest is that we have your best interest in mind. So we are, of course, going to listen to you. And we need your help. That's the way we're going to get to find the right person for you. Also realize that something a parent has a heritage for, and the parent knows right now you might not realize that you need 
a young man that has this other little point, but trust us because we would only mean for your best. So I think that's a thing that parents could know. Even share with your child. I'm listening. I want to hear from you. I want to be on the same page as you. And always know whatever, however we move forward, we have your best interest in mind and we only want what's best for you. Wow. Very practical. I want to add my own little thing to answer to this question, maybe from a different perspective. So number one, I would want my children to review the halachas of yichud and the halachas of proper rapport in halacha during the dating process. You are sitting with a bachar or he's sitting with a girl. What halachas apply? And there are. So in our um, series, there will be turabonim addressing halachic aspects of dating and during the period of engagement. They can listen to that. They could review from a safer. But I think there are halachas and sometimes the, they are on a date and all of a sudden it's at night and it's dark or they're alone in on the 12th floor somewhere in on the hotel you know and nobody else is coming and the door closes on you like what are you supposed to do like is that yichud is it not the elevator all the situations it does come up a lot so i would want that to be said publicly to remember there's halachas you want it is in, in, yeah i just want to yeah i want to add a little something over here is that just so you know in my coaching and in my mentoring and talking with the young men and women, there's often a time that something will come up that I feel, great. Hey, maybe I need even some direction. I'm going to call my rabbi. I call Rabbi Yosef and I ask him advice. I don't just, if it's something like that, and then there's time to all say, you know what? This is a question for your mashpia. This is a question for your rab. It's out of my, my you know, uh, uh, my jurisdiction. So ask your rabbi, ask your mashpia. Every one of us that are trying to help, we're all trying to help the young boys and girls. We each have to know what our place is, when we could stay, when we can go. You know, Barat Hashem, I've also had girls come to me and said, oh, mashpia, my mashpia told me I should talk to you because I have this question in dating. So as long as we all know that we have a place, each of us can help, we have a part to this overall big, amazing, important, holy work, when we each know when it's not our place and when we have to ask of the person that knows better than us in that situation. So basically, there's a team. They're, they're the parents. Exactly. Sometimes there's a mashpia. There's a, a, perhaps a dating. I like to the word a dating mentor. I don't know if the word coach. I don't know why. It's my personal thing. But uh, I just want to say when I am, um, the Rabbanim, uh, many Rabbanim prefer that you call in advance and say, um, my, do- my children are starting to date. What should I know in halacha before we begin the process? Like some people are not even aware about the name situation, that some of it has to be taken care of before or certain people who you're allowed to marry or not marry or some, or maybe there's a health issue that you want to know halachically. Does it have to be disclosed or not disclosed? If you have that insurance policy that your rough told you this does not have to be disclosed at all or this only has to be disclosed later or this has to be disclosed in advance, your rub is kind of your insurance policy because trust is the most important part of the relationship. And something that's found out later that the other party feels should have been disclosed earlier, then the, the lack of trust could actually implode the whole process. So having the rub in the beginning on the team is crucial. Another point I want to say is um, to ask the rubber for a bracha. We don't just go to the oil at the very end. Throughout every step of the way, you know, because like Mrs. Duchman mentioned, you know, 
the Eivishter is pulling the strings. We need that connection to the Eivishter to have that good mazel or the bracha or the hatzlacha. And at every step of the way, ask for a bracha and daven and do whatever it is, the schoolways that are mentioned in the Sefer Eternal Joy, um, to, to be able to draw down that siyata deshmaya. A third little thing I want to mention is something I would tell my children to trust your gut. It's true that philosophically it's got to make sense to share the same values. And emotionally, you know, the midas, you know, sound. But if something in your stomach just sounds off or you feel it, there's something there, even if you can't put your finger on it exactly, don't ignore it. Like, work it through because your gut, I mean, unless it was invaded upon or violated, that's another story, but for the people that, Bar Hashem trust themselves, you yourself just tune into those feelings and both the parents shouldn't be dismissive. Oh, you're just nervous, ignore it. Or the child, ah, I'm just nervous because I'm dating. Work through it. Because if you work through it now and that same feeling comes up during the engagement or after marriage, at least you know what it really was and you work through it and Bar Hashem. And those rare times where it's something that is kind of more of a red flag and you have to drop it, at least it was dealt with earlier, not later. So don't be dismissive if there's something about it, even though it sounds good and it looks good and it feels good, but since something about it gives you a real uncomfortable feeling, don't dismiss it. And if you don't want to discuss it with me, I'll find you someone to discuss it with, somebody more professional. It does not have to be the parent. Maybe the child doesn't want to tell the parent for whatever reason, but it should be taken to a responsible, um, uh, I say responsible and experienced person to help sort that out. That's another thing I wanted to mention. Again, we could go on for hours, hours and hours. I just thought those are things, I'd answer that question that way. Yes. I want to make two points over here. You said something about you don't like to say coach, you like to rather say mentor. So just one thing about it, because from a coach, the job of a coach is basically, I say to the young man or the young woman, you are in the driver's seat. It's really about what you want. I'm going to help you get there. But part of my job is going to be, so I'm going to feed off of what the information you give me, and I'm going to help you to move forward, and, and I'm going to cheer for you, and I'm going to tell you how I know you can get this all done. But part of that is also that sometimes there's a moment or a place where I will have to mentor you because you know, you can't see, I'm standing on a higher level. You're on a one-story house. I'm standing on the second story. I can see what's beyond you can't see. So I say to you, look, and that was, that's where the mentoring would come in. But overall, it's like, hey, you're in the driver's seat. Let's talk about what you want. I'm going to help you get that. And the second thing that I wanted to make bring attention to is when you talk about red flags is it's so, so important. I tell this always to the young girls and boys is if something comes up, like you say, maybe you're feeling it in your gut or whatever. Listen, number one, the minute something comes up that seems like a red flag, don't say, call the shots and say, bingo, it's over. At the same time, don't stick it under the carpet. We have to take, we'll see, like you say, many times that's what they will discuss with me. Something that came up feels like a red flag. Then we're going to take it apart. We're going to see, is it something just really trivial or minor? And it's not such a big deal. It seems like something bigger, but when we look at it closer, we realize it's not. We may sometimes have to make a phone call because of it, because something came up and you want to verify, you know? So then you will just realize and say, look, let's see. You see, together we just figured out it's not such a big deal. Or as you said, that better you found it out now because it is a 
deal breaker and it is so important. And you don't want to have to continue on and go deeper into this relationship and make it much more difficult to, to stop it. So you do should pay attention to red flags. Um, this is not, again, I can elaborate this and role play for a very long time. I just want to add that the best one to ask a question about what bothered you is the person you're dating on the spot. Let's say they said something and your heart felt whatever, take a breath, don't accuse, don't be judgmental, just with a kind of poker pose, I say poker face, or just, just ask a question, or just non-invasive, like, oh, I heard it like, this, it, like, explain a little more, like this is what you said, or like, but, you know, I just had a, 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 even a silly thing, you know, he was walking ahead of her and she felt she had to catch up. And she got all nervous. He's not respecting her. What's going on? And she's asking us, well, what does he say about it? Let's find out. Does he even know? Does he is he even aware? And when she back, went back and said, you know, like you're walking so fast, it's hard for me to keep up. She didn't say, like, it's so disgusting. You're taking me on a date. You're not even mindful that I'm lagging behind you. She didn't, no judgment, nothing. No far inferring, no, no tai chi, no rashi, no tai chi. Just keep it simple. Say, hey, and Mendel, like, you're walking fast, then zip up, see his reaction, and it'll be so telling if he's like, oh my God, like my friends always tell me I'm always the way ahead, and I really have to slow down, I can't imagine I'm with a girl on a date, and I'm not like, oi, like, he's polishing, he's so embarrassed that he's like, not noticing, or, I mean, to the other extreme, you could say, okay, like, the man is always ahead of the game. I'll just say one thing here. Let's just say she got so nervous or froze at the moment and wasn't able to on the next day and say, remember what happened? I want to just bring it up for a moment. And always, always ask for clarity, ask for an example or share it and discuss it, as you said. As, right. as I said in the first thing and I started talking, communication first with parents and then between the girl and the boy is the most important key that takes us all the way through the whole dating the model club is clear and precise communication between the, which party it is that you're dealing with at that time. Yeah. Okay. This, I mean, I'd love to talk to you forever, Mrs. Tuchman, uh, but I'll let the parents come to you, you know, in your, in your workshops, I'll ask you a little later to um, say where your website, where they could contact you. If, if they like your style, obviously in your adracha. But I have another question or two. So the Rebbe gives advice, we talked about it. Maybe just share one. If I tell you more than one, we'd be here again. We have a very short time together, but kind of what's your favorite advice that you'd like to share from what the Rebbe says in his uh, Hadracha? Okay, so I'm not sure I could keep it to one, but the first thing in, in a, just in a feeling of advice is, you know, the Rebbe says again and again and again in many different ways is look for the most important things first. You know, the inside of the person. You know, because maybe the first time you looked at the girl, you didn't think she was as pretty as you had always mind in your mind, or he didn't, whatever. Look first of the inside, look at their meals, look what they stand for. And then the outside, the inside will come out. Things that you might have thought first that he's not so good looking or she's not whatever. When you get the right things of their values and what they stand for and who they are, the other things they'll melt away, they'll fall away, the Rebbe says, and sometimes not only something that you thought at the beginning maybe was a chasaren, will end up actually being a myra. And then I like to give the girls and boys one or two things to hold on to. 
one of the things the Rebbe says is about giving tzedakah, um, you know, when you're in the shidduch scene. So it's an interesting thing because I found two separate things. The Rebbe specifically says to certain people, give 18 cents. That's one place. Or davening, or, you know, in, when you're in the, the dealing in shidduchim to parents, to the young girl, to the young boy. And then at other times, the Rebbe says, give to Ahmasaskala. So I can't find the source. I thought I had it, but I couldn't find the source of where they both come together. So, for example, in Eternal Joy, it talks about giving specifically 18 cents on page 30. And um, to give to Ahmasaskala, that's on the book on page three. Um, to give to Daka every day before davening is on page 25. There are letters of the Rebbe. Um, Igris Kaidis, volume seven, page 14, where the Rebbe instructs the parents to give 18 cents before Dabini. So this could be for a, you know, for a, a skula, for a bracha, for a gachidah. And also, we know that when, you know, the day of a, a wedding, Chasim Kala should give Daka, it says, I'm not sure exactly the source, but there the Rebbe will emphasize to give it to a, a place of Achnas of Kala and giving Daka the day of the wedding. So, why do I feel like we could do something? Start out your day, give that 18 cents, give the tzedakah, we feel we're doing something on a daily basis. You know, besides your davening, we make ourselves a keli for the bracha. So that's my piece of advice. And when the Rebbe says other things, we can always try to take upon ourselves something that would be a little bit more careful with and say, like, you know, saying, hey, so look, I know I'm in tzedakah time, I really... You know, this should go smoothly and I should be able to have a plucker and have clarity. I'm gonna be I'm gonna take upon myself to be more careful in this this place or this place. And wow. that's a good thing, a piece of advice. Wow. Wow. So we really have to wrap it up. And I think I hope this discussion was helpful and not anxiety provoking, but just reassuring. Yeah, we have the Abishar on our side, we have the Rebbe's Adracho, we have mentors that can help us, we have who to reach out. Here's one example. You know, there's others, obviously, as well. But Baruch Hashem, Mrs. Duchman is fabulous and very helpful. Um, would you, 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 could, you could answer no if you'd like to. I don't want to put you on the spot. Maybe you have a story that you could share, either on the humorous side or on the inspirational side from all your over a decade worth of hadracha coaching, okay? Because it's coming from them, not mentoring, which is top down, getting used to the new word. Um, do you have anything you want to share? Like, a kind of a heartwarming story that could give us all, like maybe to realize that the Abish is in charge, like we have to do our efforts, the Abish is in charge. Can you, or should we ask another question? No, no, no. I love that question. And actually, I'm so happy you're asking it because I'm going to start off first with um, this story that just I just heard about it this week in dealing with one of the young women that I have a close um you know, I shared a lot with, with her and she shared something and she's now married, she's in the Shana Rishayna, but she said to me, you know, how the Eivishta makes it the Hashkacha practice of to be in a certain place and do a certain thing. Sometimes we actually get to see the end result of that. And she was saying that, um, that later, once she, you know, she got engaged, her mother-in-law said that the reason why she actually said yes to her going out with her son was because this mother had a special needs child. And on the resume, one of the things that it said was that this young woman worked in friendship circle. 
And she said, because you wrote your work in friendship circle is the reason I asked questions, I made I, my due diligence, but that's what, that's what tipped the scale. And she said, this girl says, when I was doing friendship circle, there was so many days that I was wondering, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? And then she said, wow, look the Hashkasa process, that that's the reason why they actually decided that I should be given the, the you know, the, the schuss to go out or the whatever to go out with her son. That's Amazing. a story from that life. It's, it's mind-blowing because sometimes we actually get to see the Hashkasa process. Hashem makes us go in certain ways and sometimes we even question it while we're doing it. And for inspiration, I'm going to leave you with a personal story that I love, love, love. It's, um, it happens to be with my, about my own grandparents, my mother's parents. And um, my buddy, I think she was maybe 16 years old when she got married and um, to my baby. And uh, you know, when, when we're talking to the girls and boys, what's important, what to worry and things like that. Anyways, it's the chuppah. It's after the chuppah when they go into the yichad room. My buddy and my baby come into the yoga room, and my buddy is starts to cry. What? Could you, one second. My, my buddy started to cry, and my baby says, Lily, what's the matter? Why are you crying? You know, he, he was a, a very sweet and kind-hearted person. What could he have possibly done that made her cry? And she turned to him and she said, I want you to promise me that please God, Hashem blesses us with children. We will give them a proper Jewish education. This is what she cried about, not the size of her diamond, not the house she was going to live in. She, this was in America, you know, in the 1920s. This was... Thing. And she herself had not had an opportunity to have a, a, a formal Jewish education. And she, that was what she was crying in the Yechadu. Please promise me that if Hashem promises, blesses us with children, we will give them the proper education. So it warms my heart. And when I think about it, we could put this to, to today, the more modern times. And thinking was like, we should keep our priorities straight. Know that which is so important that will take with us for a lifetime to make a foundation for a relationship that Hashem is going to grow and grow. Wow. Wow. What a source you have, Mrs. Duchman. That story is just unbelievable. I myself felt the tears coming. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. Anyways, um, you saw, yeah, such a big source to be able to help people to build their Binyan Adayad. And they just should bench you. With Koltu for you and your family, and she should give you Hatzlocha in the holy work that you do. And I want to bench every parent that's listening to this podcast that Mr. owes you and us and all the Eden together um, less Agnes Nefesh and just everything Um And so, Mrs. Duchman, if I want to reach you or if another parent wants to reach you, could you just give us your phone number or your Yes, website? sure. I just want to say, sorry, whenever I hear, you know, when Bar Hashem, I'm there and I'm involved and they're going to bring it to the end, go to the aisle, announce their mazel tov, it energizes me and rededicates myself to the next one because I'm like on a high. My phone number is 
620-620-3618. And my website is autumncoaching.net. Reach out to me. I'm always happy and willing and able to connect. Can you please spell autumn coaching? Maybe people don't know how to spell autumn. Sure. It's like the season, but the season of autumn and things changing and we always change our lives and we grow and we think. A-U-T-U-M-N-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G, autumncoaching.net. And yes, and my phone number, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm always giving words of advice and, you know, trying to bring something positive and I'm learning to share it. And um, I look forward to having an opportunity to work with any of you one-on-one. I'm always available if you have a question, just call me. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wow, that was incredible. Thank you so much, Mrs. Duchman and Mrs. Morozov. For mothers guiding their children through the Shidduchim journey or young adults navigating the Shidduch process themselves, Mikvah.org also offers supplementary podcast episodes that you may find helpful. Specifically, episodes 23 and 24 form a comprehensive two-part series dedicated to Shidduchim and dating. They can be accessed at mikvah.org forward slash audio, or you can find them linked below in the show notes. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.